A listener called in and asked about buying an SUV. The reason was that he and his partner had two dogs, went camping a bit. They also were surfers, so they had to carry their boards. They had a small SUV, a Subaru XV, but they need something bigger, not the least because they're going to have their first child. They need more room in the back for the dogs and the pram. Of course, if you know me, I tried to suggest a station wagon, but that didn't gain much traction. They are hovering around a couple of Kias, the Sportage or the Sorento. Are they in the right ballpark? Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au has tried most of the vehicles, so what does he think? He joins us on the line now. Paul, I guess we really have to understand where the customer is coming from if we are to look at a number of options. That's very true, David. Like most people, you need to look at what you're going to use the vehicle for how much you need to carry, whether it's going to be your everyday car. And if they're having a baby, believe me, they won't be thinking about the right things for a car. (laughs) Well, you see, they want a bit of performance, not because they want a hoon, but they had something like the XV, the Subaru, which is a very little car. We'll talk about the amount of uh, cargo area in in a moment. But, of course, it didn't perform well. Now, again, that's not a problem, except when they found that they had to stop beside the the side of the road on a major road and then pulling into the traffic stream again. They thought they had plenty of room. They floored the car, and it sort of dribbled up to a speed while a large truck was approaching fast from behind. It's an interesting point, isn't it? Most people wouldn't think about performance as being a safety factor but you just outlined exactly where performance can be a safety factor. I mean, I remember in the old days, we used to drive a, a brand that should remain nameless, Peugeot, and you'd pull out in front of things in the Peugeot, and there was so much hesitation with the, the diesels in the early Peugeots that you really did think you were going to be a Kenworth sandwich. So, yes, safety can be an important factor when it comes to performance, and I think a car with insufficient performance is, in fact, an unsafe car among other things that you're comfortable in and if you want to overtake not that we get a huge number of opportunities say in the urban areas or even out on the highways now there tends to be a lot more dual lane or multi-lane roads but it's that rare opportunity that you still want to and need to feel safe in did they mention david did they mention towing were they thinking about needing to tow with it or is that sort of not really a factor not really a factor they uh, live in a city and so, you know, keeping a trailer is not likely to be it. You know, they might rent one if they were thinking of doing that. Perhaps with the child along they might do it, although tents these days, apparently they have some tents and uh, they're much more flexible, easy to pack than things might have been in my youth. Yeah, and mine. With the old canvas ones. Yes, they were they were fiddly things, weren't they? I, I, I was happy to leave my Boy Scout days behind, I must admit. <laughs> and, uh, of course, they're bulky. They're, they're, you know, they these, are. These modern ones fold up. The only thing is, they're like those little things you can get for the beach that you can fold into just a round circle if you know how to do it. <laughs> That's like refolding a map of Europe, isn't it, really? <laughs> Yes, and they give you diagrams, and they're sort of like the they're like a manual in the glove box of a car. They they seem to show you what to do, but when you actually try it, it doesn't seem to work. That's my experience as well, I must admit. But the other thing is seating and comfort, but also adjustability, because they'll have a couple of drivers. It's not unique to their situation, but it is something to consider. I read a review of the Hyundai Tucson. They were saying that actually it's not 
easily to adjust the seats as much as its Korean counterpart, the uh, Sportage. You ought to, if you are testing the car, try that as a particular feature. It's one of those things that we tend to forget is that, you know, if, if you and I test drive a car, then our wives or other people will need to use that car. So they need to be able to adjust those sort of things. Seats, mirrors, all, all the steering wheel. So they get the, they get a comfortable driving position and you're right, we rarely check those things when we test drive a car, so it is a, an important factor that we tend to overlook. You know what I hate? I hate the adjusting of the squab by a lever, where you pull the lever up and it becomes all floppy and you've got to adjust it to the spot and then let the lever go. I much prefer, of course, an electric adjustment, uh, but I'll take a, a knob that you turn because you can do it in degrees without it getting out of hand. Absolutely. When you pull yep. the lever up, you can end up flat on your back. Yes, you can indeed. Um, it could be it could be useful occasionally, but, <laughs> but yes, you're right. That that infinite adjustment is what I call it. Uh, if you've got a lever, then it it moves in increments, mm. and that doesn't necessarily mean those increments will suit what you need for your driving position. I have actually found it quite difficult in some cars to get the right combination of backrest angle, where the seat is positioned in relation to the pedals and steering wheel. Mm. Sometimes I find, particularly with the lever-operated backrests, that it's either too upright or it's too laid back. Mm. Now, they often electrify just some aspects of it, the moving backwards and forwards. I'll do that with a lever any day. It's the squab, you know, the back of the seat that I want adjusted finely, easily and with great control. Now, I gave them, uh, these people, I gave them, a, I had a, an X-Trail, and this is an X-Trail out there. They found that quite easy, but of course they did notice, the subject you and I would talk about, that it is not as smooth or as easy or as desirable to drive as a sedan. No, and that's, that will be a situation that they will find quite often. I mean, your recommendation that they look at station wagons hmm. would, would be mine as well. We, we tend to agree on that. But you just can't get people to look beyond SUVs. And the more rugged the SUV is, usually what you find is the more agricultural it is. And I'm not saying that applies necessarily to the Nissan. Please don't don't shoot me, Nissan. Mm. But the closer to a tough, rugged off-road vehicle it is, then the less pleasant it is to drive, usually, and certainly the less suitable it is for driving around town in urban environments or even sometimes driving long distances on freeways and highways. Mm. Now, they do go camping and they probably get onto some grass areas, but that's hardly the need for the ultimate set, very high, rugged, special tyre sort of SU or four-wheel drive might be the better expression. It's not needed. No, it's, it's usually not. I mean, you know, yes, there are occasions where four-wheel drive or all-wheel drive will, will get you in and out of situations. I had to prove to a, an SUV off-roading friend of mine once that, I could go anywhere in my Audi A6 that he went in his in his Holden Rodeo. He he doubted me fairly severely until I followed him all the way through the through the uh, outback in South Australia. We took that, and by the way, before you ask, it was my own A- A6. It wasn't a press car, um, and we had no problem at all. And that's you know a, a not very high powered front wheel drive car that did the job perfectly well. Most people can go most places in Australia with a normal car.
what people often call four-wheel driving, you could take a Camry along. But it's really just a dirt road in many ways. Uh, a few bumps, which if you take at the right speed, you're not doing bad. Luggage space is obviously a, a very important point to them, but it also gets to the point of uh, the, like adjustments of the seats for comfort of the driver. Uh, it's also how easy it is to fold down the rear seats. True, true. I mean, again, again, it's one of those things you tend not to want to do on a test drive. I mean, it's hardly exciting folding rear seats up and down. But it's something that you have to do fairly often. And if they're carrying surfboards and camping gear and all that sort of stuff, then they will need to fold the rear seats down. Hmm. And sometimes with some of the larger SUVs with, with three rows of seats, those rear, that rearmost row of seats they'll probably want to be able to remove almost. Hmm. And that's an interesting point too that, you know, they're looking at a, a range of sizes. People tend to go, they think SUVs all have to be huge. They don't. And they don't all have to be all-wheel drive. So some of the, the SUVs, what we tend to, jokingly called, sneeringly called soft rotors, are not that much bigger than a station wagon. They're not that much heavier than a station wagon. They, a lot of them are front-wheel drive. Some of them are all-wheel drive on demand. So there are a lot of options that they can look at. Now, take that point about size. I mean, they bought a Subaru XV a little while ago. Now, we're talking about the Sportage. With the rear seats up, you're talking about 466-litre capacity. Santa Fe, the bigger SUV for a Hyundai, about 516. So you're talking around the high 400s, low 500 size. The XV is 310 Yes. It is minute, really, in comparison. It is borderline. And it's, it's partly to do, I think, with the, the roof line. It's not just, the, it's not just the, the, the raw data of the amount of space in the back. It's, it's how usable it is. Hmm. You know, how high is the loading height? Um, you know, how, how big is the opening? Do the seats lay flat, which is always an important factor. Yeah, that's a brilliant one. Do they lay flat? If they don't, how hard it makes it to slide things in like pramps. And, of course, um, as most do now, but uh, the split rear seat, because, you know, if you've got one child and you're still surfing, if, you, if they end up having two, they might have to curtail their other activities. I mean, <laughs> I mean surfing. Yes, we know which activities. <laughs> Sorry. Uh, That's quite all right. Folding down the rear seats, again, the Sportage, 14.55 litres of space, uh, Santa Fe, bit bigger, 1615 uh, litres of space, 1615, which is really quite large. But again, comparing to what they had, the XV Subaru, it's 740. That's not mm-hmm. much bigger than a Falcon boot. Now, I drove the Falcon boot. I opened the other day quite large, 500 and something or other uh, litres of space. But gee, I tell you what, it didn't look easy to use. It didn't have a flat floor. It sort of bumped here and there. Uh, again, I think your point about the, the actual measuring of the literage is not the point as much. Uh, well, it's part of the point. The other point is, is it usable space? Can you get to it and... and and, and is it square and easy to use? Oh, exactly. I mean, we talk about, you know, there, if the wheel arches, for example, intrude quite a long way, then you have lots of space, but you've got a fairly narrow, a narrow space between the wheel arches. That becomes a problem. And, of course, a lot of the stuff you're loading into and lugging into the back of these four-wheel drives, SUVs, is quite heavy. And it's quite often not just heavy, but also cumbersome, a very strange shape. I mean, I find children's prams, I mean, I don't have to bother with them very often but Hmm. children's prams for example are really strange things 
you were talking about folding tents, try folding a try folding a stroller without losing your fingers. Without losing your fingers, but it's a really hard thing to sort of manoeuvre around, and quite often you're doing that whilst you've got a toddler as you're you know dragging on your trouser leg or you know wiping its fingers all over your your, your pants. I mean, you've got these things need to be taken into account. And once you've bought the vehicle, it's too late then to start thinking about those those issues. Well, that raises a good point. Do you have a tailgate or do you have a door that opens? Again, there are so many variations. You have obviously the tailgate that lifts up so the whole thing opens up. You have a, a split tailgate so the thing, the bottom half falls down and the top half falls up. Some vehicles, and I'm not quite sure now which ones are left, have... Can, you can open the rear window whilst leaving the tailgate in place. I know, for example, the uh, Ford Territory, you could do that. Hmm. Some vehicles have a, a door that opens outwards rather than upwards. Yes. Then you get to the issue of how tall are you? Some of those vehicles, once you open the tailgate, you've got a bit of a problem reaching up to get it back down again. Uh, yes. Is it electric? Is it powered? Is it one of those things where you can waggle your foot under the bumper bar and it, it opens automatically? Does it have an external release? All these things are important factors. Yeah, there's lovely points. And, and your point about being electric, the only trouble is getting it up can be quite easy. Getting it down, you've still got to reach up high and press a button. Yeah, my mother was fairly height-challenged and she had real problems with that issue. She used to get very annoyed that she had to get a, a box to get up and press the button to get the tailgate to close. Yes. Unfortunately, she gave her a height, height challenge problem to me. <laughs> well, you can test a car now far more <laughs> effectively than those who are a bit taller. That's true. My wife's not huge, but uh, it's yeah the same issue. It can be a stretch, uh, particularly if you've still got something like a toddler or even another bag you're going to put in the other part of the car. And the adjustments of the seats, I remember the Mercedes people mover was fantastic if you had the seats set up, but folding them down was next to impossible. It was heavy, lumpy, and if you really were into that situation, the Kia Carnival was much better, just much easier to fold the seats down. They they folded flat, as you said. These are just issues that you might look at. So here we are, Paul. We've talked about a whole range of things without ever going near uh, handling understeer or any of the things that quite often make up the usual road test oh exactly these are these are different requirements with this vehicle to a greater or lesser extent handling performance becomes that further down the list of, of things that you require you know by the by the same definition as we said you do need a certain amount of performance in order to be safe you do need a thing to handle reasonably well but as a matter of course these days most of them will handle perfectly well they're not cumbersome they're not lumbering they're they're good vehicles. I mean, you and I have both driven the Kia Sportage, and it's an excellent vehicle. I, I enjoy it immensely. Mm. And, you know, now we're looking at things with Kia. We're looking at long-term warranties, which anyone who's about to have a baby will be fairly, fairly concerned about. Gee, I tell you what, that seven-year warranty is just so hard to argue about. It is. When you, you argue finesse about a car and then say, oh, by the way, you know, one model might have a three-year warranty, this other one has seven... I've got to tell you, it's just hard to argue with. Now, there's one that's a bit old than that that I quite liked when I drove some time ago, and that was the Fiat Fremont. Now, it gets very little coverage. Very little. It just disappeared. I mean, no one, no one even thinks about it. I thought well, it wasn't a bad vehicle. Easy to drive, but not a bad vehicle from everything that we've tried to mention for this listener, rather than necessarily whether it's going to do good in a Comparo test. 
in a motoring magazine. It is. It's a little bit of a left field choice. You know, remembering that, of course, it's based on the Dodge, on the Dodge, 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 which Dodge is it based on? It's based on the Dodge Journey. It has a 2.4 litre motor, so economical economical to run. It's it's very good value in price terms. I mean, Fiat, which is basically Fiat Chrysler, have been very clever with their pricing and they've, they've continued their clever pricing with the Fremont. It certainly appeals on a price basis. It's a fairly old model, as you said. Hmm. It's been around for a while, so, you know, you need to take that into account. Um, whether it will hold its resale value, who knows, um, you know, what its depreciation will be like. You need to look into those sort of things, but let's face it, for three years, five years, it should be absolutely fine. It's quite a good-looking machine. Yeah, I've, you know, I haven't driven one for a long time because they haven't released a new model for some time. I think uh, your last test on your site's about 2014, uh, which is uh, obviously some time ago. Yeah, I hope we're not doing um, fear to disservice. I hope they haven't sort of done a facelift in the meantime that we've missed out on. But I'll contact them. I'll contact them and uh, give them the right of reply. Paul, lovely to talk to you. Uh, as always, thanks very much for your time. Thank you, David. That's Paul Morell from practicalmotoring.com.au. And the word practical, I think, is most important for what we have just been discussing, a practical need for a young starting family.